Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we thank you so much that we can be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to give up his blood so we could be clean in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts now. Amen. Yes, if you would please turn in your Bible to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. John 18. John chapter 18. The chapter on the crucifixion. John chapter 18. 18 verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden into into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. You know, some people look at the cross, the cross of the Lord Jesus, and they what they see is an end, a tragic end to life, a tragic end to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at the cross totally differently. We see a wonderful beginning, a wonderful start, of a new life. The start of our life with God started at the cross. Why? Because it was at the cross. What separated us from God, our sins, was taken away. It was removed. It was removed. How wonderful, how appropriate that we should consider this the day after the Jewish people celebrated Yom Kippur. Only problem is, is they don't have that cross that takes away their sins. But today, again, We want to look at the cross. We've already looked here in John chapter 18, verse 4, where it speaks about how the Lord knew everything that was going to happen to him. He knew the pain. He knew the spiritual separation from God, the torment of that. He knew the the horror to his soul. He knew it all. When it says in verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth. And said unto them, whom seek ye? The Lord Jesus, he knew every detail about what's going to happen to him. 
And with all that suffering clearly in his view, everything that was standing against him, we read these tremendous words, Jesus went forth. And when it says that, Jesus went forth, we see a person stepping forward and in essence saying, bring it on, I'm ready for it all. When it says in verse 4, Jesus went forth, we can see him, eyes wide open. He sees everything that's going to happen. He's kind of like Abraham in Romans 4.20 when it says, he staggered not. He staggered not. What a resolve he had, the Lord Jesus had, as he staggered not. When he saw the cross and everything was going to happen, he didn't, he didn't drop back. He didn't, his knees didn't give out from within him. Why? The reason he didn't stagger when he went, as he was going forward there is because of what it says about him in Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says Jesus went forth, and we see him there going forth, and we see him going forth, he despises the shame, but he sees joy. There's joy in front of him. What's the joy? The joy, that's not the joy of the cross. It's, it's the joy of what the cross would accomplish. When he cried out, finished. When he cried out, accomplished. He saw the joy that that, that what was going to be accomplished. And that joy is spoken of in Hebrews 2.9. Hebrews 2.9, which says, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That's the joy. That's the joy that he saw before him. He went to the cross, And when we see him there at the cross, we see him focused on, I'm going to bring many sons to glory. And that was the scene. That was the scene of him leading as he, you and I and others to glory. And the cross was like the pass. It was the pass that he provided to us for being able to come to heaven. The cross made the Lord Jesus the captain of, of our salvation. As the hymn says, the Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar. Who follows in his train? They climb the steep ascent of heaven through peril, toil, and pain. Oh God, to us may grace be given to follow in their train. That's it. When we see him and we read in John 18, 4, that Jesus went forth. That was the Son of God going forth to war, a kingly crown to gain, to lead us as our king right into heaven. And when we read these verses, Jesus went forth. We see our captain, as it says in Hebrews 2, the captain of our salvation going right onto the battlefield all alone, just like David when he went onto that battlefield. All the Israelites ran away. There was Goliath. And there was one lone person, David, who came out. It's that all aloneness, the all aloneness of the Lord entering the battlefield that's emphasized in several places in the scripture. One of them is Isaiah 63, Isaiah 63, 4. Isaiah 63, 4 says, the year of my redeemed is come 
And I looked, and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to help. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation. Mine own arm brought salvation. So from verse, from these verses here, when it says Jesus went forth in John 18, we see the Lord going forth to make his soul an offering for sin. Now, because of the cross that the Lord Jesus had, had endured, he, because of the cross, he had every right to ask and to receive from the Father his request that he made in the chapter before in John 17, 24. In John 17, 24, when he made this request to the Father, he said, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. There's only one reason why the Father would have granted that request from the Lord Jesus to let us be with him, to let us see his glory. And that reason was the cross. It was because of the cross that he knew all, and he knew all the things that were going to come on him as a result of going through the cross, but he went forth. Now, this passage here in John 18 not only tells us about the knowledge of the Lord, that he knew all the things that were going to come on him, that he knew that, it also tells us of another person's knowledge. And that's what we want to look at this morning. And that person was Judas. It says Judas had a knowledge also in verse 2. Judas also, which betray him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. It's a garden. We're told about a garden. The garden that the Lord entered into in verse 1. We're told in verse 2 that Judas knew specifically that place. And when it says that Judas also knew the place... We can think about it, what it says about Judas in Luke 22.3. In Luke 22.3, it says, Then entered Satan into Judas, named Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. It also says in John 13.2, John 13.2, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So here's the scene before us. We can see it so clearly. The Lord Jesus Christ is in verse 1. He's not with Judas. Judas has separated himself now when it says in verse 1, Jesus had spoken these things. He went forth with his disciple over the brook Kidron, where it was a garden into which he entered in his disciples. So we see the Lord. He's totally exhausted. He's drained out the drama of the cross that was all in front of him. The soul of the Lord had been traumatized with this exceeding sorrow even unto death. And he has left Jerusalem. He's crossed over the brook Kedron. And in verse 2, we learn, or we told, Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. See those words, oft times, and that word resorted. You can just feel the state of mind that the Lord Jesus Christ was in. He was tired. He was weary. He was tired and weary, enduring what the Bible says in Hebrews 12.3, Hebrews 12.3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your own minds. He was just tired. He was weary. He was weary with battling with the contradiction of sinners against himself. And that word contradiction in the Greek means disputing, striving, arguing. It just wore him out. He was tired. It was always very, very hard for the Lord Jesus when he was in Jerusalem. This was not a place that was restful to him. You know, Jerusalem, 
It's supposed to be Yerushalom, as they say, Yerushalayim, Yerushalom. It's supposed to be the city of peace, but instead it was where the Lord faced his strongest opposition, his strongest turmoil, the absolute opposite of peace. That's the city where he was killed. Jerusalem was supposed to be his home. It was supposed to be the city of the king. It was supposed to be, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, as God said in Psalm 2. It was supposed to be the city of the Messiah. But instead, he never was welcomed there. He never could make Jerusalem his home. Just think of the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, the king of Jerusalem. Have you ever thought that in the Bible he never spent one night in the city of Jerusalem, not one night in the city of Jerusalem. Instead, he spent many nights outside of Jerusalem in this garden outside of Jerusalem, the Garden of Gethsemane. And every night at the end of the day, when the people saw the Lord Jesus leave the city when he was going out to that garden, they thought to themselves, there he goes again. There he goes again. He can't spend a night in Jerusalem because Jerusalem doesn't want him. And right along the lines of John 111, when it says, about you could just plug in the people of Jerusalem as they watch him leave at the end of every day. He's leaving again tonight because he came unto his own city at Jerusalem, and his own city, Jerusalem, received him not. And at the end of every day, the people in Jerusalem watched him leave the city out through the gate, and they thought, there he goes again, outside of Jerusalem, he is bearing his reproach, which is why God tells us, take a good look at that. Take a good look at the Lord Jesus as he's leaving the city of Jerusalem and picture yourself, picture ourselves watching him leave Jerusalem, bearing his reproach, and then don't be like the city of Jerusalem, but be different. Jump up, jump out from where you are and join him. Go, go with him. Go to him. Go with him as he leaves the city. That's what it says in Hebrews 13, 13. Hebrews 13, 13. Let us therefore Go forth, let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. So in verse 1, when we see him leaving Jerusalem, as he did so many times, bearing his reproach, he's tired, he's weary, he's trying to save sinners, and all the sinners are doing is just arguing with him, disagreeing with him, striving with him. So many days it was like this, and and, and it, it just gets too much at the end of the day. And so he's laser-focused, he's heading for that place that special place, that secret place, that place there where he can resort and has resorted many times to be with God, his Father. And even while he was, he was in Jerusalem, enduring the contradiction of sinners against himself, he's just looking forward to, it'll only be so long that I get to go to the special place, the Garden of Gethsemane, to be with the Father. And it leads us, when we see that, it leads us to a question. Do each one of us have a special place to meet with God? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's the first question. Are you washed? Are you really washed in the blood of the Lamb? And then if you are, do you have your own special garden place, so to speak? You have your own special place to meet with God? Do you go to that place often, as it says he did, to meet with God? Do you long to be in that place to meet with God during the day when the going gets really tough and you're tired? Do you think about that special place as a resort from it all? where you can meet with God. He did. And that's what we're reading about here. That's what we see the Lord Jesus doing. And it's very important to see how fast and fluid everything is moving in these two verses. You know, in the English, it sort of looks like a lot of past tenses when it says things like, you know, the Lord resorted. 
you know, verse 2, in English, the past tense, in verse 2, Judas betrayed him. The Greek is not like that. The Greek is actually in the present tense. So it's really reading in verse 2, and Judas also was betraying him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times was resorting there. So it's a real fluid movement here. So the feeling from these, these two instances of the present tense is that it's a rapid action. It's all happening. The Lord's in the process of resorting to the garden, and Judas is in the process of betraying him at the same time. Two contrasting focuses of two persons, Judas and the Lord Jesus. The Lord, he's laser-focused on that garden as a place where he can meet with, with the Father. Judas, he's also laser-focused on the garden, but it is a place for him where the Lord can be arrested with no fear of people protecting him. For Judas, the garden was the perfect place to betray the Lord, where he could bring the officers to arrest him. There would be no admiring crowd like there was. There would be no sympathizing crowd to protect him there. And just later, just not very long from this point here, when Judas took time to think about what he did, it drove him to suicide. He went and hung himself But it's this word, this one word in verse 2, also, when it says also, it shows us how both the Lord Jesus and Judas are moving at the same time to the same place, to the garden, but for opposite purposes. For the Lord, he's moving there to the garden to be strengthened, to make himself an offering for sin so that he could lead many sons to glory, many sons to eternal life through the cross. But Judas, he's moving rapidly toward the same garden to destroy the Lord. And it's this great betrayal in verse 2 when you just look at these first three words when it says he knew the place, he knew the place. And you look at verse 2, and Judas also knew the place. Judas knew the place because Judas was a member of the 12 apostles. He knew the place because Judas had spent many nights there, many nights with the Lord in in that place. He knew the place because Judas was among the close confidants of the Lord. He was a close friend of the Lord, whom the Lord pulled in close to himself at the end of the day to give him a private teaching as he did to the others. And Judas knew the place because Judas was among the closest friends of the Lord. And that's what made the betrayal so painful to the Lord. Because it was Judas who was the Lord's friend who betrayed him, as it says in Psalm 41 9. Psalm 41 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Imagine that. It really is a repeat of Caesar. A tu, Brutus? And you, Judas? You, my close friend, betrayest thou the son of, son of man with a kiss? You, Judas, my close friend that ate my bread? Do I see your heel now lifted up against me? In Psalm 55, 12, Psalm 55, 12, It says, it was not an enemy. It was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man of mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked into the house of God in company. That's what made the betrayal so sharp. That's what we should keep in our minds right now. As we come to this breaking of bread time, we want today, as we take these elements, let's remember the betrayal that the Lord endured. We repeat it every communion on the night which the Lord was betrayed. He took bread. 
It's a reminder for us, the betrayal. Let's remember the sharpness of it, the hard part of it, that he endured to save us. And when we take the elements, let's thank him for enduring that betrayal for us. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, now do lead us on as we continue to remember you, what you endured in the betrayal. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scantibodies Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com.